Welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? I'm drinking There's Only One Bed Trope Tea from The Ripped Bodice. Uh, it's a nice Earl Grey with nice bergamot notes and just a little bit of lavender. Quite lovely. It makes me want to go back to bed because it's the holidays and I just want to curl up in bed. But how about you? What are you drinking? It is the holidays. And so I'm drinking my special Crock-Pot Wassel. And it's an apple cider base that Uh. I put into a slow cooker and with a blend of secret ingredients. And Mm -hmm. then it gets spicy overnight. Perfect for the book that we are reading. So Zana, please remind our listeners what I assigned you to read this month. You gave me The Plight Before Christmas by Kate Stewart. And what did you think? And I have to say, listeners, normally when we do these review episodes, Xana will at least give me a hint and say, you know, I liked it or, well, we'll talk about it. And that gives me a, a sense of things. She has said nothing. Xana, what did you think of the plight before Christmas? Jen has been squirming a little bit on this because she's little bit. nervous about my reaction. <sighs> the plight before Christmas. So a little bit of a preface to this. I did, read, <laughs> I did read the Raven Hood trilogy, which is also by Kate Stewart. And it's set in the same town as, as the plight before Christmas. It's got even one cameo crossover character in it. I did not love the Raven Hood trilogy. I, I have some issues with it. However, I'm not reviewing the Raven Hood trilogy. This is no. not about because that. Because we this do is... standalone books on this show, not series. Right. So the play before Christmas, I got to say, I loved it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank <laughs> God. I was going to question our <laughs> friendship after that one mm-hmm. if you had not said, oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so now we can continue. Edging but Jen is like the she, most fun I have. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was, and I was subtle about it too. I was like, so, you know, you want to give me a hint because we write scripts for even for our review episodes so that we, you know, know what direction to take, so all of that sort of too stuff. Too far off. Nothing. Even though we talk about having going off on tangents, we try to yeah. not, we, you know, even with the script, we totally go off on tangents. But but um, we have a framework. We have a and framework. she gave me nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I am so... Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I am so happy that you loved it. Um, I did. But yeah. let's let's talk about it because this is this is also a favorite of mine. And I read holiday romances, but I tend not to repeat read them. This is now an annual tradition. Yeah, you know, I right can along see with that. Certain Christmas movies and things like that. So yeah, I can see that it it's definitely something that might enter into my my Christmas rotation reading because it is it is so fun and funny mm-hmm. and it has just great characters unlike the Ravenhood trilogy there's no character in this book that I don't like um yeah. I like I like all of them even the ones that I don't like as much I like I like yeah. those characters and these people are all familiar you know this they are is, yeah they are the, and you it, know they're either in your family or or you know friends of family right you know or family friends or whatever that that are like all of these characters they're they're just wonderful sure and you know so the the main character or the main female character is uh Whitney 
and she is a very much business first kind of person you know she's she's followed her career rather than her heart but she's just had at the beginning of the book she's had this terrible disappointment in that she didn't get a promotion that she definitely earned yes and so she's she's brokenhearted because she didn't get her career path and she decides to go home for christmas and just let herself wallow a little bit with the support of her incredibly loving and supportive family that is the setting for this story is it's in a family a cabin that was owned by the grandparents and that are no longer with them it's she's got an older sister and an older brother who's only older by about 11 months right and they are both married and both have kids She's never married. She's 38 years old. No, never married, never had kids. She is going there with the idea is like, I'll do a little bit of babysitting, but that's it. Don't make me, yeah. you know. And she loves her nieces and nephews. She does. Don't, she does. But, right. but she always gets handed babysitting duties the minute the family right, gets exactly. together. Right, exactly. Which, you know, as a parent, I do, as both a parent and somebody who had a kid later, I get <laughs> so uh, i understand yeah. the you know oh god i need a break i and, and this is this is the part where i issue an apology to my sister-in-law for all the babysitting that she did for my son early on uh, especially during the holidays so right right yeah so yeah with my with my family we didn't adopt my son until he was about 10 and so before that we had little nieces and they would pretty much be as soon as we were together for the holidays they're on us <laughs> yes <laughs> the family dynamic is loving but it's also you know, like every... It's a family. I mean, that's... It's a family. That's, you know, there are the dysfunctions all over kind the place. And... Great about it is that they are they are so dysfunctional in so many ways. They are all having relationship issues with yeah. each other. And they're all having... Including um, mom and dad. Mom and dad are having issues. Sister and the brother-in-law are having issues. Brother and sister-in-law are having some issues, even though he's not aware of it at the time. Yeah. And that's the issue is that he's just not aware. He's not aware. Yeah. He's not aware that he's the issue. So the, the brother has, so they all live in the same town except for, and they all live in Nashville except for the brother and his wife and their kids. And so they are meeting up at the grandparents cabin in Triple Falls, North Carolina, which is the setting for the Ravenhood. Um, and so this is a small Western North Carolina town that is, you know, it's probably closest to like a Hendersonville, North Carolina. It is you know. actually. Yeah. So it's it's based on it's based on it's based on Hendersonville. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I have my I have a cousin who lives in Saluda, North Carolina, just up the road from there. I'm familiar with the area, and which is probably one of the issues that I have with the Ravenhood trilogy, but that I'm a little too familiar. And this family, though the the Collins family they are probably more in tune with what my experiences are in in western north carolina right and then the brother and his wife live in charlotte north carolina so they are not living in the same state they're not living in the same area but they're all coming together the brother-in-law has announced that he is bringing home a work friend or somebody who didn't have anywhere else to go for christmas yeah. and so Whitney is like, oh, 
I just want to be set up, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't set me up. First of all, so I'm completely familiar with this feeling because my husband Same. and I were set up. So my, my friend met these two guys in the bookstore where she was working, of course, in a bookstore. Cause of course you know, in a bookstore, of course, you know, that. all my life is revolves around books. She was working at this bookstore. My brother-in-law had a bit of a crush. And so they kept showing up. And my now husband was like, you need to ask her out. So he finally asked her out for him because he was like, I'm running out of money. I can't keep coming back here all the time. And so then she kept telling me about these brothers. And he's like, there's this guy. And I think you would really like him. I think that you would really hit it off. And I said, don't, ha don't set me up. Don't set me up. Don't, yep. don't set me up. She set me up. Um, and you know, 27 years later, here we are. And I suppose I'm not sure whether I'm, I haven't forgiven her or if I still thank her. <laughs> Depends on the day. I'm sure. Depends on the day. A little bit of both. So anyway, um, she's very much of the same mindset that I was with. Don't set me up. Yeah. I, I can smell a setup coming and don't you dare do it. Yeah. Middle to late thirties. Uh, yeah. Also, also familiar because I, you know, didn't meet my husband in t until I was in my mid thirties, establishing yeah. myself. And unlike Whitney, I had actually recently gotten a promotion. Okay. Uh, but it was going to require traveling a lot, I see. Uh, yeah. which I was willing to do. But then, but then you met but this. Then guy. I then I met this guy and <sighs> um. Our first date had to happen on a Monday because I was leaving. I was leaving that night for a work trip. So, oh wow! <laughs> so I understand the the idea of all of this sort of uh, you know happening all at once. Yep. And that's one of the things that I think this book does really well is that mm -hmm. there's all these sort of individual stories and uh, yes. individual experiences going on. But they, and, but she really manages to kind of tie them all together and make it into a you know, a cohesive rope with all these threads. Yeah. And and it's very, and and you can identify with somebody in sure, this book. Sure, sure. And multiple somebodies, really. So, the, But there will know. be at least one person in here. Is... Yeah, and the characters are not two-dimensional either. So they're very much three-dimensional characters. They're very much like people that you would know. And so I do like that about about this. It's like you can't, pigeonhole any of the characters into one type or not right the one person we haven't really mentioned yet is the male main character who is this friend of course because you know yeah. don't set me up don't set me up oh that, set me up that means a setup uh, yep right and it turns out so his name is eli and, eli yeah. yeah and eli and whitney not the cotton gin, although they do make that joke, but Eli Whitney. They, they do um, make that joke at one point, yes. Um, but Eli and Whitney know each other. Know not each only, other. Not only do they, they know each other, they used to date. In college. In college. So almost 20 years ago from, from the point of the story. Um, not quite 20 years ago, but, you know, pushing yeah, 20. close enough. Pushing 20. Pushing 20 Certainly. pretty hard. And... Um, and they did not end particularly well, and nope. hearts were broken. So they have a little bit of animosity towards each other to start with, probably more on, on Whitney's side. Oh, definitely realized. more on Whitney's side. Definitely um, more on Whitney's side. But 
but there's still they can still make each other crazy in the yeah. same sorts of ways that they did before and that's sort of that is the setup for for this story yeah the because the attraction is still there it years is years later definitely on eli's part and whitney denies it but yeah she feels it now they both have had a series of relationships of varying seriousness and so on but right. not neither one of them have made a strong commitment to anyone else nope. and they, it wasn't super strong commitment I mean, it was like 10 months of dating you get the sense as this goes through that they were really in love and yeah. and then it and this stopped. was first love Yep, this, this is first love, first love, second chance. I mean, that's that's second the, chance. So this is their prime. This is the primary trope of this book: is first love, second chance. And there's a lot of other tropes that oh get, yeah hit on in this, of course. The forced proximity because they're kind of stuck in this this cabin and and it's snowing and the family and the brother's the best friend, a brother's um, best friend, and even though second chance, it still Considered later in life, although 38, yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> For romance books, though, 38 is typically old. And that's one right. thing that's, that, that kind of, one of the issues that I have with the genre that I'm, but I'm getting used to it. You know, it's, I, I, I like the genre a whole lot more than I thought I would. Uh, when, yes. I first, when we started this at the beginning of this year, when we started this, this whole project, everybody's so young. <laughs> Well, yeah, they, I and think I get that, it. I do get it. But I think that the idea of this is that is that by the time that you have gotten to our age, mm -hmm. that you're you're firmly in your happily you should, ever after. You should have had your happily ever after. Already. Yeah, you are. Right. You are firmly yeah. living your best happily ever after life. Right. You know, there's... But that's not uh, always true because, I mean, and even if you have your happily ever after, you can have that, but you can still have some conflicts. And that's like the parents. The like parents, the, yeah. Ruby and Ellen, they definitely have their happily ever after, but that's it's work, you know? I mean, yeah, that's, it is that's work. the truth of relationships is like, you can have your happily ever after, but don't for a second think that it's going to be like the easiest thing yeah, there's, you've ever done. There's going to be, yeah. there's going to be struggles and it's, it's and a job. you're going to want to, you know, you're, you're going to want to look at the, at your partner and want to shoot him in the ass sometimes. And that's uh, a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the story though is pretty good. <laughs> the story but is very it's, good. Uh, but yeah. you know, there is, there are, um, yeah, there are times when you just want, to you know but it is work and but the for Whitney this it's the standard by which she judges relationships is her yes. parents it's and her, parents. her and her brother and sister right her older sister her older sister Serena has been with Thatch her husband for almost 20 years or if if not about 20 years they don't state it outright but i think they're high school sweethearts right or actually At i least... think they're post like just during college sweethearts yeah so early college but anyway they they've been together since their early 20s regardless yeah and they've got uh two kids gracie who's about nine and probably the star of the show Peyton or Pepe. Peyton. Is, 
Hey, pay is uh, right. Yeah, he's just adorable. He's just, yeah. I go back and forth about whether or not I enjoy children in books. I don't like, you know, the trying to get uh, the pregnancy tropes or yeah, know, something yeah. like that. But occasionally, occasionally the kids in books. Yeah. Will... I mean, like some of our books that we've read this year, some the kids have been um outstanding like the, the yeah. little girl in Lexi in, Lexi and Lexi the, the chameleon, chameleon effect was great yeah. and um the little girl from Ghosted was yes. fantastic and so you know it's sometimes kids add an extra layer to yeah. the story that makes things you know they they offer kind of the the through line truth bombs and um, yeah or yeah. they're <laughs> or they're straight up wingmen Right, um, right, as in know, Lexi's case uh, it, and the, the As in Lexi's effect. case, yeah. Right. So Peyton is, he's not, he's not so much a wingman, but no. he, he helps to, he helps to get both Eli and Whitney thinking about what they, you know, what they feel about things. Right. Not just each other, but, you know, the, the choices that they made, mm -hmm. what would have been different if. Right. Uh, kind right. of thing. Peyton also reminds them of their own younger selves yeah, um, in some ways. So, or, you know, what could have been their right. younger selves. But yeah, he's, he's an outstanding, he's an outstanding character. He's two or three. Um, yeah. He has, you know, some grasp of language and can, you know, walk around for himself, but he's still in diapers. So, right. you know, right. he's still that, that young Mm -hmm. He is a very he's a very special character. He will, you know, sneak down the stairs without his parents knowing. Right. And, well, um, I think what's the the sweetest relationship, honestly, is Peyton and Eli. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because he, like, they have this sort of early morning cuddle time before the rest of the yeah. house gets up, and so yeah, and it's they, this really lovely little yeah, ritual that I, right. I mean, this is only a period of six days. Something like that, yeah. The the whole book takes place in a period of six days, but right. they establish this this bond, bond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's really it's a really beautiful thing. And Whitney witnesses some of it, mm -hmm. and it starts to melt, change her mind about some things. Yeah, some of the um, ice that she feels towards Eli melts yeah. when she sees how wonderful he is with with Peyton. Yeah, and let's let's talk about Eli for a minute though. Okay. Um, because you know, I know that I know that you uh love this book, which mm -hmm. I'm very glad about, but how does Eli look through your murder colored glasses? Okay. So this is a little complicated because Eli is definitely a cinnamon roll. Um he's definitely yeah. just a sweetheart. And I don't want to spoil anything too much, but let's just right. say Eli has some stalkerish tendencies. I don't see him as being stalker to the point of look out, he's going to kill you if yeah. this was a you know, a movie on on true crime or something like that. Um, but he definitely has more knowledge of Whitney and her current life than he should have based on how he represents himself. 
right. to so, start with? I think that we can safely say that we are not giving away spoilers if it happens in the first five chapters. Right. So in the first five chapters, we we do establish that Eli has been looking for for Whitney. Yeah. Um, you know, and well, not knew... not exactly, except for well, that not exactly he, that when he but... meets the brother, you know, he realizes yeah. who he is. And yeah. um and and so and positions himself in order to learn more about he I mean he realizes pretty quickly that he's talking to Whitney's brother, um, but doesn't yeah. ever tell the brother that he knows his sister. And so that's yeah. the part that's a little bit yeah, it's a little bit sketch. But, but I also I get it too, because he's also he's telling himself that he's just curious and I yeah. totally get that because, you know, Facebook stalking, you know, we all do that to a certain yeah. degree. We're like, okay, um, you know, let's see, I mean, you know, and it's, and it's just basic safety for a woman in this day and age to do at least a oh, basic yeah. Google search on oh, any guy sure. you're going to meet. Yeah, for sure. And so, but also, you know, when you have memories of people or, you know, people that, you knew at a, at once upon a time, those memories are going to come up, and you're like, I wonder what they're doing now. And, yeah. Uh, and instead of this person never existed for me, and I have no curiosity whatsoever about them for the rest of my yeah. life, that's not that's, that's unrealistic. That's, <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah, it's far more normal to to have um, curiosity about people who had an impact on in your life. So I, I will give him it. I he definitely passes not being murder colored glasses, but he's got a little bit of that stalker impulse. It's yeah. not problem. I, I would not say it's problematic. Uh, no, it is. I would not, not say he, because he also is looking at like, once he realizes that he's kind of, he realizes that he's got that little bit of that stalker thing that he's yeah. done. And he's like, I'll bail because this is creepy and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this to her. And if, if there is nothing not, to this and right. and it's all one sided, then I'm I'm out of here. Then I, so. Yeah, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to force her uh, force anything. I'm not going to maneuver events to make it so that she will fall back in love with me. I'm not going to yeah. force her into a corner like some of the yeah. romances I have read this year um, that I'm not going <laughs> to talk about specifically. But there are certain books that I've read that are a little bit darker that are like the the male main character takes away all of the agency and options for the female character about what yeah. she's able to do and forces him basically makes it so he is her only option. And that I don't like that to me is, is toxic. Um, I know that's some people's jam and that's cool. You know, I'm not here to kink shame. That's fine if that's what you're into because it's, I get it's fantasy. I just, it's not my fantasy. It's definitely not my fantasy to have somebody take away all of my choice. And that's, and that's fair and valid too. And, but again, you know, I'm not here to kink shame. I understand where that's appealing in a safe space. I do understand where, you know, the idea that you don't have to make, so I do understand from the perspective of like, there are days that I'm like, I don't care where we eat. I just don't want to decide that kind of yeah. thing. And that's sort of taking that attitude <clears throat> toward, to an extreme conclusion. It was like, I don't care what happens to my body. I want you to decide. 
Yeah, which um, I have to say is a is a total aside, but this does get brought up in the book. Mm-hmm. If we do have husbands who are who are listening to this podcast, don't ask your wives what's for dinner. Just like take a break for a month and don't ask right. your wives what's for dinner. Or see if you can maybe you in can my case, that. don't ask your husband because my husband is the one who does all the cooking. So. <laughs> Or where where are we going for dinner? Or what are we doing for dinner? Just right. you know, take that question right out of your relationship for about right. a month and see where yeah. that see see where that uh, yeah. progresses for you. Whoever it is who does the cooking in the relationship, don't pressure. Does not them. want to be asked that question because, right but, now. Like every day, yeah, yeah. And right now, but, the answer is probably leftovers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the holiday season. It's the, it's um, the holiday season, so that's exactly what it is. Or or it's you know sm- small bites because you hosted a party or right something. right. Or what are you having for dinner? I'm having a tray of cookies. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dairy or non dairy beverage of choice with a plate of cookies and right. something from the Hallmark Channel. We are not judging. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not this time of year. No way. I would venture to say that this is Kate Stewart's spicier answer. Right. Yeah. Hallmark so the Hallmark Channel, Channel doesn't have that much in the way of sex. Let's just say that. that uh, yeah, no. It's, they, it's, uh, they kiss and it's all closed door if yep. it happens at all. Right. Um, right. And yeah, because uh, Hallmark Channel movies are slow burn. Slow for sure. burn. For sure. <laughs> Um, so if you want a Hallmark Channel movie that has the sex, then then you go to Passion Flicks, which is essentially... That's what Passion Flicks is for. The same. Actually, yes. Yeah. So um, at any rate, this this book is definitely spicier than a Hallmark Channel book. Um, it's, it's actually... It is predictable but not in a bad way i mean it's not it's not the plot that drives this so much as the characters this is a hundred percent a character driven book and the characters are fantastic and you know if you're gonna if you're gonna write a book like this then that's what you need you know you can can pick your hallmark plot and then you can and then you can make um you know wonderful characters and that's what Kate Stewart has done here. And speaking of making wonderful characters, mm-hmm. uh, we have not discussed the audiobook of this. No, we haven't. And so I only listened to this because Jen said, you have to listen to this. You don't understand. Yeah. It's important to listen to it. This was narrated by Joe Arden and Maxine Mitchell, who we talk about a lot on this show because they are fantastic narrators and they do an, an amazing job they're also the voices for the Ravenhood trilogy yes. um, they are also both very well known for being able to do kid voices very well and that is for sure the truth yes and this was recorded in duet this is, yeah recorded together so oftentimes with duet uh they're not recorded together they are the person whose pov that chapter is uh, right. will we'll do, do all their the dialogue and then and then the other person's dialogue will be dubbed in but in this case it was actually done uh together recorded mm-hmm. together and you can tell there's a couple of scenes where we get not just the character's reaction but the but actor's the reaction, actor's reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and and it and it makes the book it yeah. really does you know uh, it does not take away from it in any way and in fact 
enhances it. Joe and Maxine do a fantastic job with this one. And I think because of the Ravenhood and we are recording this after the Taste of Triple Falls event that happened in Hendersonville, uh, North Carolina, where Kate Stewart, Jordan, and Maxine Mitchell were there for a signing. Mm -hmm. Now, this was a highly anticipated event. They had 600 tickets. They sold those tickets in two minutes Mm -hmm. of it going. It was like, you know, uh, romance's answer to a Taylor Swift concert. I mean, this this was really highly anticipated. The tickets went very, very quickly. And from everything that I've heard, first of all, the three of them stayed there for now it was only supposed to be about six or seven hours for the Mm -hmm. signing they stayed there for over 14 hours that's amazing signing and but one of the things that has everybody that i have talked to who has gone to this event has said was the amount of positivity and patience Mm -hmm. that was shown by Everybody who was there, stand the ones standing in line, the ones doing the signings, the staff who were helping, who were helping Joe, Maxine, and Kate. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all. Everyone was incredibly patient and just having a good time. And Kate's written other books. Sure, is not just the Ravenhood. It just because this one happened to take place at the Ravenhood, but uh, or uh, where the Ravenhood took place, and. Plight Before Christmas was also signed a number of times Mm -hmm. from the pictures that I've seen. People had their copies for that, too. I do have to say, though, that having the that trio, that combination together Mm -hmm. of Kate, Joe and Maxine, magic happens. And so Joe has said that they did not know what was going to happen when they did the Raven Hood. You know, both of them have said that it was another project. Mm hmm you know, another book project and they were going to, you know, give their best performances as they always do. Sure. They didn't expect the level of response. Yeah. 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 And so when it came time to do a uh, plight before Christmas, they were, they were ready as mm-hmm. the celebration and sort of the, the thank you right. uh, to the fan response. So that's, that's what this book is, you know, as well as a sweet holiday romance. Yeah. It's a thank you. Right. To the Ravenhood fans from Kate, from Joe and Maxine. Mm-hmm. And it shows there too, because this is really, it's a beautifully done performance. They, and they, you can tell they're having a good time doing it. Mm-hmm. And the kid voices, of course, are. Really? So they each do, they each do kid voices because Joe does all of the male voices and Maxine does all of the female voices. So mm-hmm. that means that Joe does Pepe. Does, does yes. And he does a very very convincing job with it yeah yeah he's adorable and maxine does the gracie uh, peyton's older sister gracie Mm -hmm. in that very particular way Mm -hmm. she is nine and okay first five chapters Mm -hmm. she got her first period yeah yeah and so you know the 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 hormones the you know the the preteen that was beautifully done yeah it was beautifully done and wholly accurate from <laughs> for sure from for everything sure. i remember at least and yeah. yeah and the other the other kids who are connor and wyatt a lot quieter yeah they're the, yeah. They're the children of brendan and and his wife uh, brendan is the brother and aaron uh, yeah and aaron sister. is his wife and 
she's very quiet and those and the kids are very quiet and then they do of course the voices of the parents alan mm-hmm. and ruby and they are their own definite yeah. characters as well yeah one of the things that was really great about maxine's performance is that you know there's there's a point where all the women are having kind of a girls night drunken yes. party on the back deck and it's this, this is all of the sisters all of the, the, the so sisters it's, it's the, the sister the sister-in-law and and whitney and all three of them have very distinct voices and you can t- absolutely tell who's even even when they're altered in their you know because drunken they're, state they're all drunk. yes <laughs> but maxine manages to maxine is a is a a party of one you know she is yeah she's an all-in-one party girl so she can bring the party and it's absolutely and it's absolutely amazing and you know the conversations at the dinner table because they're they're all together for six days and they're having you know there's these dinner conversations and there's you know the family in jokes everything and And everybody has their own voice and they've got this rhythm going between between Joe and Maxine and, and being able to sort of jump between voices and characters. And so it feels like you've got, you know, eight people there instead of two. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm really glad that they made the decision to record together. Yeah. Because I think that's... that helped with the pacing and the, and the, the back and forth kind of. Yeah. 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 And, and because you can, you can feed off each other. Mm-hmm you know, uh, off each other's energy and, and, and sure. uh, keep it going and keep it consistent. Yep. And as we mentioned earlier, there is a cameo by one of the Ravenhood characters. We won't say which one because it does drive the plot forward. It, it does drive the plot forward and it, it's funny. Yeah. But it definitely kicks things in the right direction. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't take and, away too much from, and, and it, you don't have to have read the Raven Hood series no, to get this. To at still all. appreciate still, the scene, it just becomes a more fleshed out side character, basically. And so, you know, if you've never read the Raven Hood, but you and don't think you can or don't want to, you can still enjoy the Plight Before Christmas because it's definitely it. It's the same world. It's a whole standalone. It it's is the a same standalone. world, but it's like, like it's their their own thing and then the raven hood is going on over here in another area so it's like yeah. the the idea my, one of my favorite um dictionary of of necessary words that is that are not real words is sonder yes. and so the idea of sonder is that everybody is their own main character in their own story but they're still oh, I love that but you're but you're like a side character in other people's stories. And so, you know, you like anybody you're passing on the street, you're just background noise. But they have their yeah. whole full story right there in in their lives. And if you follow their storyline, then it you know, it's still as interesting and dynamic. It's just you're not the main character in it, you're a side character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this this um, Ravenhood character is sort of a Sonder character. So they have a big role in the Ravenhood, but they're just just a passing They're just a, a passing yeah. side character in this. But they're still human. And yeah, they're still they're still human and it's still a, you know, fully fleshed out character even if you haven't read mm-hmm. any of the Ravenhood books and you're you know, looking to see well where is that 
it's any one of these characters because they mm-hmm. are, you know, they're all complete uh, as they as they right. are in the book. So uh, who was your favorite of the characters? I do like the main couple, but I got to say my very favorite character is Ruby. And that's the mother. Yeah. Ruby is just she's a badass. And but she also has a little bit of uh, a pretty sure she's a little bit psychic. Yeah. If not psychic, then deeply wise. And, you know, yeah. she knows her children extremely well. And she and she loves them with her whole heart. And and her children not only include her the children she birthed, but also her her daughter in law and son in law and her grandchildren and you know, so but she she's probably to me just the the most interesting and lovely of the characters. Yeah, and Ruby definitely reminds me of someone I know is very much that way and there she also has a strong empathic sense Mm -hmm. the compassion that she feels for each of her children and she includes Eli as one of her yeah so as soon as Eli gets there it's like oh you're one of mine now yeah you're you're one of mine and it doesn't even matter what's going to happen or won't happen with with between him and Whitney yeah you're you're one of us Mm -hmm. you know that's the and she never fails to it. make him or make anybody feel like they're they're fully belong yeah. with the family. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what I love about her yeah. the most. I have to say that my <laughs> my favorite is still Peyton. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, he's pretty close. He's pretty close. I don't often um declare a, a favorite character to be the kid, but but Again, well, like Lexi in the in the Raven. Uh, I mean, he's he's effect. important to the plot. You know, I mean, he, he is important he, to the plot, and he's and like he might just have a, a bit of his grandmother's. You know, like you see the first inklings of similarities to his grandmother, I right? Think. You know, in that insight. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very perceptive, uh, even for as young as he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he has the tools yet to, you know, move situations and people into different things. But oh, he does a pretty good job even, of it. Regardless, I, I mean, he, I wouldn't put it past him. I, right. you know, he does he does a pretty good job of it, just being him. Yep. So yeah, he's he's one of my favorites, but also Thatch. Yeah, Thatch is pretty uh, good. The, the brother-in-law and he's he's solid he's a he's a great guy he's a good yeah he's a good solid guy the the problems that are going on between he and his wife are you know they're totally solvable yeah even though it appears to them to not be and and it's a it's miscommunication again yeah you know but not my favorite but in a way but in a way that is wholly realistic Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent realistic. It's it's the kind of miscommunication that happens for years of not communicating properly. And yes. Yeah. So And it happens in a lot of marriages. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, totally that relatable. was that was totally relatable and not the would you just talk to each other? Right. You know, right. It's yeah. Because it's that kind of miscommunication that happens over time in the everyday yeah you know where it's not anything big and i mean it's yeah 
it's not a huge thing. It's not a big thing, but it's little things over time that add up. Yeah. And that's what, and it's, that's what's realistic about it. And it's the kind of thing that happens every day in a marriage when the longer you're with someone, the more you start to assume what they are going to say and do. Right. And that isn't always a... And if you've stopped listening, yeah. then then you're going to Then you don't that. know when things changed, yep. you know? And so you've got to backtrack. And, yep. and so that's what makes it completely realistic. Right. Because right. <laughs> there's a point in every marriage where that happens to, sure. you know, small or large degree. But it's um, so those are those two are my favorites um, because Thatch is just I mean, I love Ruby, too. But um, but he just he seemed to be the most like, oh, yeah, I know you, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, that that dude is. Yeah. um, But he's also at the same time being, you know, being a friend to Whitney and uh, well, and and her brother and, you know, another brother and and. Um, he's a friend to Eli and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, uh, and one of the things that I like about Eli as a character is that he watches mm-hmm. all the family dynamics and offers, you know, in a way that only an outsider to the group right, right. can. Yeah. He for sure is the person his own perspective. Who, who is the instigator of everyone else's problems being solved in a lot of ways, yeah. because he's the one who's able to see things outside of their tight-knit family and say uh you two are on the same wavelength you just don't see it (laughs) you know you don't really understand that you're in the same space and have you and have you considered this other person's perspective in this way right because he sees it but the other yeah and he's just and it's not even that he's so far outside of it he's just outside of it yeah so he can he can watch everything closely but now, still keep his an own observer shit. perspective <laughs> yeah well now his own stuff yeah you know again he's got to be yeah totally because we can always see so much better right other people's you know issues yeah. and stuff but yeah so we have our favorites mm-hmm. using our five cup rating systems anna what do you give the plight before Christmas? Oh, you know, I held you on the edge for a long time with how I liked it or not, but I'm just going to tell you, I got to give it five cups. Um, yes. The reasoning for this is that I can definitely see that this is one that I will revisit. Uh, it yeah. Was, it was lovely and comforting and it was, you know, it, while the plot was predictable, the characters were delightful. And, um, and so I, I enjoyed spending time with the characters. And yeah. so I think for me, that definitely gives, gives it five cups. How about you? What would you give this one? Uh, well, also five cups, but I want listeners to know that this is Xana's first five cup review. No, I have waited no. all year for this. I gave it. Oh, five... nope. Uh, you're, you're right. You're yeah, right. I gave a five cup you to, gave the, to the murder one. The murder. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> The murder no murders Jonathan. happen in this one, um, and she still gave it five. Nobody dies. Uh, yeah, no, nobody dies in the book. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it, off off book, it, it nobody's happen, murdered. <laughs> nobody's <laughs> murdered, and uh, yeah. So this is your first non-murder five cup rating, right? right. Um, which you know, Merry Christmas to me. Merry um, <laughs> Christmas, Jen. It's what you've always wanted. 
it's me, what I've always wanted. Me to love me, a book that was yes. not that was not like death and murder and destruction and la da da. <laughs> well, and me t- and for for you to love a book that I loved because yes. that's what we started this with. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the whole reason we've been doing this. And this is our last uh, book review for the year and for uh, season one. Yeah. Join us for season two starting January 1st, 2024, uh, when Xana will review Butcher and Blackbird by Bryn Weaver. Going back to murder Speaking again. Of murder. Right. <laughs> we're, we're back to murder. Uh, and so... Please read the trigger warnings on this one. Um, There's a lot of trigger warnings on this one. But there also, is a lot of trigger. Also read the trigger warnings for hilarity because they're funny. Yes, because they're entertaining AF. Yeah. Um, and But also do read the trigger yeah. warnings uh, for your own this mental is, health. Yeah. Just from the trigger warnings alone, this is not for everybody. Yeah. But it sounds um, like my cup of tea. Yes, because the main characters are both serial killers. Right. That's all we'll say. And if you would like to listen to the book, it is performed in duet by Joe Arden and Lucy Rivers. And I will tell you that they also did this in the same way. They were actually in the same room, just performing in two separate booths. So this was done in duet that way. And if you would like to read and listen along with Zanna, please visit our website, cupandsaucybooks.com, for links and show notes. You can also follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We're on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know if you have a book you would like us to review on the show. And as I said, this is our last review episode for season one. But we do have coming up for the rest of the month, uh, new narrator Alexis Page on December 11th. We talk tea, baking, and audiobooks with Carly Robbins, also known as CJ Bloom, on December 18th. And that finish was ridiculously off the year. fun. Yes, that was ridiculously fun. And we finish off the year with a very special episode of the Cup and Saucy Book Club on Christmas Day, December 25th. Good times. Good times. Good yeah, times. It was neat. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time for more great conversations from people from the world of books. And probably a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.